Limerence is an addictive obsession with someone you can't have. And it's more than a crush, it's more than falling in love. Without meaning to, you leave the regular world where relationships actually happen, and you go to dwell instead in the land of fantasy relationships in your mind. And the trouble with fantasy land is that it's built on your wishes and your needs, and not on the reality of another person being in the mix. Now, if you were abused and neglected in childhood, you may be extra prone to limerence, which means you didn't get the love you needed then, and that need hijacks your life and drives you to try to get what you lack. But you may have then taken all the pain and loneliness and unmet need in your life and imagined that if you just met the right person, magically you'd be whole. And this is how a limerent person often imagines how real love will be. It will make them whole. But in reality, what all those needs feel like to another person is little kid energy. It's the needs of a child that are trapped and then thrown at a person who is actually in the market for an adult partner, a real good, healthy partner. So they get turned off. They want someone who brings strength to the relationship, who has something to give, not someone who's just trying to get needs met, especially when it feels like the needs of a child. My letter today is from, from a man, and I'll call him Sam, and he writes, Hi, Anna. I need some help with limerence. I've tried so many things to heal this condition, years of therapy, men's work, ancestral trauma healing, and I still can't seem to escape it. Limerent episodes began soon after my divorce. This is my fairy pencil. I circle things that I'm going to come back to on a second reading, but let's go through. It's a longer than usual letter. It's got a lot of information in it. I think you'll want to hear. Um, and then I, I will respond after on the second reading to what I circled. Okay. So Sam says, Limerent episodes began soon after my divorce. The first one lasted a couple of months with a person I had a crush on as a kid who now lives thousands of miles away. I had never experienced such bizarre, all-consuming obsession that had no actual basis for such constant thought distraction, preoccupation, and confusion. Of course, she ghosted me. Okay. Well, not of course, but there it is. Okay. Post-divorce counseling focused on unlearning, codependent, enabling behaviors I learned from my father, who anticipated and met every move my narcissistic mother ever made. Neither were capable of attending kindly to my sensitive, empathetic nature. I was surprised to learn as an adult that family was where you were supposed to be able to be vulnerable and emotionally supported. Instead, I learned safety by keeping my feelings to myself. No surprise, my needs were eventually unmet in my marriage. Um, wait, I have needs, he says. <laughs> my wife was very passive and never gave any kind of affection, which I tolerated for way too many years. But divorce didn't open up any new authentic opportunities for sex, I think he means, so far, and that's 14 years ago. So finally broke away after my two kids and three stepkids were mostly grown when I was 50 years old. By then, I had done tons of work to learn emotional literacy and was eager to find intimacy with a more deeply engaged partner. The second limerent chapter lasted over three years. I even became good friends with the person, which I thought was a natural development of a relationship. We had many deep conversations for hours. She told me I was the most important person in her life. I didn't realize that the whiplash of ecstasy to misery and back wasn't really true love. 
When reality crashed, I was devastated, and by then I had read Levertov's book on limerence and recognized it, but had no idea how to keep it from happening, or, nor knew about the connection with childhood trauma. I was still a desperate mess and feared being attracted to any beauty because it would turn into limerent hell before I had a chance to be authentic. It still feels like some kind of permanent disability. A few years after my divorce, I got involved with a woman and, like an idiot, ended up loaning her some money. In order to get out of repaying me, she made false accusations of violence against me, causing huge amounts of reputational damage. She even befriended my ex, who told my kids the lies, and we had to have counseling to just sort out the mess and restore healthy communication. There have been many milder versions of this fake attraction, manipulation scenario without such drastic consequences, but now it seems even more unlikely I'll ever be able to discern the real thing if it ever happens, which also seems increasingly unlikely. At that point, I recoiled into peak isolation, just before COVID, when everyone else reached out too. As much as I wanted connection, I only created more alienation. Only by now, I didn't care because searching for love felt self-destructive somehow. Now, after a few more years of healing these intimacy traumas, I'm cautious but willing to keep trying even though I'm continually met with rejection and indifference. When I get attracted to someone, it usually becomes limerent and I have learned how to go through withdrawal in about three weeks. I really wanna be wrong, but the last time I was a candidate for genuine intimacy was two decades ago when I was a different man with a different body. <laughs> When desire is unmet, it becomes a frustration. Frustration unmet becomes a longing. After e an even longer time, longing becomes desperation, and all women can smell desperation. So at this point, you're probably doomed to celibacy. Now it feels like I'm surrounded by a fence with danger and unsafe signs all around me. And it just feels permanent after this long, no matter what I do to dismantle it. But my brain is still consumed by the peaks and crashes of this obsessional desperation for touch and connection. For months, I had many enthusiastic conversations with a woman at work about canning different foods. So I brought her a big bag of old-fashioned rose petals, which she gladly made into amazingly good jelly. Then she came over on Father's Day and we harvested red poppy petals for an experimental jelly. My kids made tacos for dinner. And there was lots of talk about doing honey, honeysuckle next and working together at the growers market. But I've learned to go real slow and see what happens. Well, the same thing always happens. 10 days go by without a word. And since getting ghosted feels so shitty, I texted to check in. How did the batch turn out? Friendly response. Turned out great. See you around. I'm now 63 and have a growing despair that I will never experience intimacy again in this life. It has now been decades, and despite all the healing work and attention I bring to my own improvement, if there's nothing left but limerence, it would be better to live in complete isolation in nature with dogs and cats. For a long time now, I haven't felt like a participant with the humans. All thoughts of intimacy are either past or future, memory or fantasy. I have no idea how to attract a present reality of normal intimacy at this age. It feels like a second virginity, which is just pathetic. And what mature woman of my age would have patience for that? I can tell by now when limerence wants to flare up like a candida infection. <laughs> so I've learned to back off, keep it real, ask where is this right now? 
but I've learned from your videos that my perception itself is warped because of the CPTSD and wanting intimacy for so long, I really can't tell anymore. And the endless repetition of rejection has just accumulated like a crust. It's hard to imagine anyone being attracted to me, and I'm not getting any younger. And it's all the more baffling because I'm a smart, gifted, competent, purpose-blessed, healthy man of means, you know, a catch. So what the actual? I've heard you say, and it's the premise of most healing, once you've healed this, there will be plenty of opportunities to try again, and I wish there were, but I haven't found that to be true. Maybe all the work I've done is not enough, and I need to do more? It just feels too late and hopeless. For whatever reason, I have not attracted um, anything other than limerence and betrayal. I'm circling that. Um, for so long that I joke that I've become a repellent, but it's not really funny because it seems to be true. No matter how much I learn or the amount of healing work I do, if there's no, no one attracted to me to practice authentic, engaging connection, then there are no new beginnings, and so why bother? It just hurts too much if there's no reward eventually. I wish I could feel hopeful instead of cynical about this possibility, and I still want to experience it someday, even though I'm not sure I know what I'm looking for anymore. I'm afraid that so many years of this have only reinforced it somehow, and that the only way forward with any kind of peace of mind is full isolation and radical acceptance of a hermit's predicament. Thanks so much for any light you can shed. Sam. Okay, Sam. Gosh, I'm really moved by this letter. And this is a tough case. I totally get it. I get it. Um, and as I said in the introduction, and I'll just tell you, like, you know, sometimes I read my letters with a bit of a third eye approach to it. And that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing child's energy. I'm seeing child's energy that you, you've, you've identified there's something repelling women. They're not seeing you as the attractive kind. And that's when, when I just kind of look at it, it's like, um, yeah, it's childlike energy. And you described it very beautifully in the beginning you know, that your parents could not attend kindly to your sensitive and empathic nature. And the sad thing for all of us is what we needed, we did not get. And we cannot go back and be a child and get it again. And you and me and everybody have struggled in our lives because the needs of the child have carried over into adulthood and driven us into relationship pain. And we weren't able to show up. There's a lot of words you use here. And, um, you know, I'm going to have to nitpick on you here because... We got to get to the bottom of like, what is the thing that you're not, what is that mountain you're not able to cross over into, into your own authentic man energy, not child energy, not little boy. Um, and I've had so many male friends and people in my life and people in 12-step fellowship that who I've known. And I can just say like, it's not uncommon that people who got rejected a lot are having this sort of like child's energy of like, they're trying to get a mother-like energy from somebody, and it feels like this. <sighs> there's no way to say this without it sounding like an accusation, but it's not. I'm just saying from the female perspective, it feels like an entitlement when somebody's like, I need to be taken care of like a child. You're a woman. You're supposed to give that. That's not what a woman is looking for. I'll, I won't speak for everybody totally, but I'll, I, I kind of have to. I'm going to represent women here and say, that's just not you know, we don't want to be the mother of a little boy for a partnership. It's, we're kind of looking at somebody to meet us halfway on that. Everybody gets to be a little kid sometimes, <laughs> but mostly everybody's got to be an adult and sometimes like a really strong adult who brings into the relationship 
um, strength, support, fiber, you know, fiber to life. I think the difference between being single and being married in a, in a, you know, a, a reasonably healthy marriage is that there's this fiber. There's this way that you can have your bad days. You can have financial wobbles. You can have emotional, you know, ups and downs and somebody's there to kind of even things out with you. And when they go through that, you do that for them. If there's too much focus on just like, I want sex, I want sex. I, and I assume that's what you mean by intim intimacy, but I think, I think you also mean it more broadly, but you're like trying to get the thing. You're trying to get the thing as if women have this, you know, women are just walking around hoarding this thing and they won't give it to you. That is a, that is a energy that is not liked. It's not liked like that. Um, more what you would want is women to be craving that from you. You know, they're like you know, they want that from you, that intimacy from you. Now in my dating course, I teach this often as a male female dynamic, but when it's the man who is getting rejected a lot, who's going for people who are ultimately unavailable. Um, there's a book that I love. I've, I brought it up recently. It's called no more Mr. Nice guy. And it is in a nutshell, it's about getting your, your, your like masculine identity and energy back to just like live your own life, to not be driven by what women want and can give you to get your life back, which is far more attractive to women than this kind of like just having your, your kind of baseline energy being need, need, need. And that, that is not attractive. So I recommend you read that book. It's by a guy named Robert Glover. Uh, and it's pretty intense. The book will get in your face about stuff and uh, check that out. I think he's got really ad good advice for men and what he tells men. There's some stuff that I'm like, Oh, I don't want to know that about men's life. <laughs> That's okay. See what you think. Um, I, one of these days I want to see if we can do a collaboration. I'm going to reach out to him. All right. So you're prone to limerence. So one thing I, I, you sound pretty well grounded in reality about what limerence is, why it's not a good way to be, why it's repellent to other people. You're not really here. You're, you're having a relationship with a fantasy. You sound like you, I, you sound to me, you know, forgive me if I'm projecting on you from other people I've known, but the thing that I recognize in you that looks similar is this idealization of women as the keepers of the thing that you must have. And it's all consuming obsession. It would be see, like if you can't be okay and I see you in this black and white thinking, it's like either you're going to have this amazing intimacy or you're going to live the life of a hermit. But actually what most people have, even if they're in a relationship is mostly not the life of a hermit, but a life of a person who lives in community with other people who has friends, who has involvements, who has work, who has people they take walks with or play tennis with or whatever people do, you know, or go to the movies. I have a lot of, friends now. And that used to be hard for me when I was consumed with obsessive thoughts. You can't really confess to people where you really are with that. So you talk a lot about wanting to be authentic. You want to be authentic. And I kept trying to guess what you mean by that. I wasn't sure, like, is that just like jargon, like a new age thing, like my authentic self? I'm not really sure what you mean. And I think, I don't know, I might be the, a bad judge of that because I'm someone with such a reputation for being direct and, um, you know, I just like, I don't have an inner child. It's just like, sometimes I feel shitty, <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel petulant. Sometimes I get mad and it's all me. I don't, I'm not compartmentalized that. So I don't totally understand this idea of authentic. Like what is not authentic? I will tell you what's not authentic though, is trying to make people like you. 
It's good to be considerate. It's good to pay attention and learn about other people. But you, it sounds like you have kind of an addictive compulsion to seek out this imagined energy or maybe partially real but partially idealized energy from women. So getting around you, it is like a, it's a little bit vampiric. All right, that's harsh, right? But you ask me, like, can we find what's happening here? Why are they, why are they not attracted to you? Um, I will say one of the things you said, you don't have the same body. Nobody does. Within reason, though, are you taking care of yourself? If so, that part's okay. And you said you're purpose-driven, you have money, all, the, all of those things are like a catch. So I'm just taking seriously something's in the way here. I hear this part of your story where you didn't get, you, you were really not in touch with your feelings and that was a huge undeveloped part of yourself. So you know what might have been happening all this time that you've been single is that you, you have been developing your emotional awareness of how you feel. And that is progress as a human being and it will help you connect with other people. And if, if, you, if you did, I know that we don't want this outcome, but if you did end up not in a relationship, just to wake up to your own emotional being would be such a good thing. Um, so then your second limerent chapter lasted over three years and you became good friends with somebody. That's often how limerent stuff starts is like, it's not like an overt, Hey, I'm, I'm in love with you. And is, are we on or not? You know, it's not like that. It's like, Oh, we'll be friends. I'll just be Mr. Nice guy. This is where the Robert Glover book comes in. I'll be your friend. We'll have, and we had deep conversations and she said that I was the most important person in her life. And I didn't realize that the ecstasy and the misery wasn't true love. Yeah, it's an, yeah, that's limerence, isn't it? And then a few years after your divorce, you got involved with a woman and you loaned her money. And actually in your first letter, you said there were two women like that, where you got, um, you were manipulated. They acted, they pretended they were attracted to you and then they manipulated you. And so that is, um, that's a logical consequence of being limerent, checked out, not really connected with people, very focused on your own needs, not paying attention. And they clocked you, you know, they, they like evaluated, ah, here's somebody he's, he really wants love and he's got some money. So yeah, you have to be more careful about that now. And I know you know that you were so isolated and then there was this woman with the rose petals and that was that I, that was interesting i think that's a fair enough that doesn't sound crazy but you met somebody at work you got into like canning together you went slow to see how it went and she sort of unspokenly stepped back like it wasn't she wasn't into it um and that was really sad and you feel devastated about it but actually like <laughs> lightning doesn't strike all the time. That sounds to me like a somewhat successful sort of like, uh, you know, getting to know somebody. One of the things that I think you may want to experiment with is being more direct about when you're on a date and when you're just making friends. I know this type very well, where they just want to be friends, they're hanging out, their energy's there, you know that they want it. And it's, if a man is not direct about where he's coming from and he's pretending to be a friend, it doesn't feel attractive. It's um, at, at, at best, it seems needy. At worst, it seems creepy. So I would really advocate being open about, about dates, that you are seeking a date, that you're interested in dating, or you're considering it, you're not attracted yet. Just open about where you are and not try to pretend you're a friend and see if you can get women to give you the magic key that you want. So you have growing despair, and I don't think you need to have despair at all, but I do think you need to be honest with yourself and willing to go to great lengths if you do want to change. And so one of the things you told me, you've been to therapy, okay, reasonable. 
My experience was though, not all therapists would have any idea how to help with this. If they don't know about limerence and love addiction and this kind of thing, they probably wouldn't know how to heal from this. I think that guy Robert Glover might be a good reference point for you to find who does know about this. If not him, he has workshops and stuff. I should get in touch with him. <laughs> I should get an affiliate relationship because I, I do refer a lot of men to him. Um, but to go find out like what's going on, how do you get back into being yourself? All right, so getting back to the stuff you tried before, I, I'm proud of you for trying a lot of different things. You said therapy, men's work, ancestral trauma healing. But since it hasn't really scratched the surface, I just think instinctively that the stuff that you're doing here, it's too soft. It's too soft. There's something you need that's more direct. And it might be that the Robert Glover guy has something more direct for you. I think direct, there's like, you're 63, right? There's just no more time to muck around and hope that there's a easier, softer way towards everything changing. For you to have that deep change in yourself and how you're approaching things, like it's time to get, go very deep into stuff. And so whatever that was, I don't know, but that's my, that's my take on that. It just wasn't strong enough. It was, um, it was light. It was a little bit new agey maybe rather than direct and to the point about what needs to change. So I would encourage you to seek that out. If you, you probably have in your mind some mentors you know of, you probably know people who you, you realize could help you. If you're like me, okay? If you're like me, it's like, if I really wanted to change, what would I do? <laughs> what would I do? <laughs> if I really wanted to change, who would I ask for help? And very rarely in my life have I sought out that person for helping me, you know, whoever was that person at that time in my life. I sought out people where I could sort of guard and reserve parts of myself and not have them messed with. But if you're really like, if you're really emptied out and just like, I don't know how to change, be willing to seek out the best mentorship you can from people who challenge you. Give it a try. It's worth it. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.